Hi, I'm Reverend Norm Bouchard, Senior Minister of Center for Spiritual Living here in Colorado Springs. Welcome to our service. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We're excited to share with you today's service and we invite you to let others know about our service as well and the inspiration that it brings in your life. You are joining with hundreds of other people from all around the world who gather virtually to be a part of our community. So I invite you to sit back, open up your heart, and enjoy our service. I'll be back with you at the end of our service to share with you other ways to uplift and create the best life yet. Enjoy our service. Good morning, everybody. So all month long, we've been focusing on the concept of oneness, oneness and how we connect with each other and how we love each other. And so today, we're going to focus on loving our diverse world. Diversity is a very, very important concept in our, in our tradition of religious science. This past week, uh, both Reverend Millie and I were up in Denver at our uh, conference where all of our churches from all over the world come together as one. And... Um, had the opportunity to do the opening ritual, which was absolutely amazing, turned out incredibly well. And we had voices in the room from Germany who spoke a German prayer. We had people who spoke a French prayer. We had Peruvian prayer. We had, um, I'm forgetting French, I said French already, Peruvian, Spanish, and also English. It, when it was phenomenal to hear all the different voices as they were praying in their own language and how we each got to sense their energy and feel their energy. So diversity is a really important concept. Diversity is the art of thinking independently together. So repeat that with me. Diversity is the art of thinking independently together. Instead of really fearing difference, the real concept is to understand that the individuality brings about the picture of the whole. The universe... God, spirit, whatever you want to call it, created a very diverse world because no one culture, person, thing, animal, or whatever it is, or plant can contain the essence of the divine. All of it together <clears throat> is needed, and that diversity is powerful as well. Strength lies in difference, not in similarities. It's really important for us to understand that in the culture and season that we're in, with humanity when we fear each other, rather than understanding that our strength happens from difference. Um, I did got to do Ancestry.com. Anybody else done Ancestry.com? It's amazing how, um, how we are all mongrels. <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's no purebreds. Um, I'm fairly purebred. I was 96% French. Uh, the, rest, uh, the rest is a, a mongrel thing going on. And so all of us have a mixture of different cultures. And so to be fearful of it is, is absolutely ridiculous. But to dip into it and understand its powerfulness is where our strength really lies, not only as a country, but as a world as well. The beauty of the world lies in the diversity of its people. That's where it's really beautiful. And it was fun to connect with my fellow ministers from all over the world to really hear the diversity in the culture and the way they do things and how they bring culture into the different aspects of their community as well. So this morning, I want to three, focus on three different concepts of how do we begin to love diversity and how do we begin to love our world. The first one is we have to acknowledge that each of us comes at life with a bias. We are all biased in our thinking, in our upbringing, and the different concepts. So important concept is to understand bias versus acceptance. And how do we know when we're in bias? So we're going to look at that this morning. Secondly, which stone has your name on it? And that is judgment. We really have a tendency to cast stones of judgment upon each other. And what we're going to learn this morning is that when we do that, we're actually casting judgment upon ourselves. That we can't do that without casting a judgment upon our own self. And last but not least, we are not here to judge. We are actually here to love. So I want to know how many people in the room have a smartphone? Yeah, stand up if you own a smartphone. Awesome. How many of you absolutely think smartphone is the exact way it should be? No. 
Yeah, but how many of you love it? You wouldn't have it if you didn't love it. How many of you love your smartphone? Yeah, what it does? <laughs> all right, sit down. You're not, so sm- you're not so smart after all. How many, people, how many people in the room have an Android? Stand up. How many of us Android phones thinks it's much better than the smartphone? I do, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think smartphone is so smart after all. So, all right, so I want to hear from the smartphone people. Who's willing to share with me why their smartphone is so smart? Oh, sure, now none of you, none of you own it. Who owns a smartphone and wants to talk? All right, yeah. Tell me about your smartphone. What do you like about it? It's intuitive, and it ties into all the rest of my Apple products, which is my iMac, my MacBook Pro, my kids, iPhones, and iPads, and what's the other one they used to have? The iPods. But they all integrate together. And they all know each other, communicate well, but they don't communicate with the rest of you. So so why is it better than an Android? It's intuitiveness. It's intuitiveness. So you think it's all all worked together. Okay. And um, can I hear from an Android person? Why is an Android such a, why why is it better than a smartphone? So I think that an Android is better than um, an iPhone or smartphone because um, it has a lot more like widgets and gadgets and a lot more. Um, like connectability where I can make it customized versus iPhone is just your apps and you just, that's it. So I can add a calendar widget on there. It's just a lot more communicative. A lot more communicative, okay. Anybody else have something to say about a smartphone? I own an Android. Yeah. Yeah. We may be in the minority, but we're a lot smarter than the smartphone. is. <laughs> So actually, I own, I, I use both because I actually have an iPad. So I love my ab, iPad, but I'm so used to Androids that iPads are much different than an Android. So they speak sort of different languages. So it's so interesting to bring that little concept up this morning because all of us have biases just about our phones. Yeah, we all think our phone is the better phone. And we look down on people who own an Android and Androids look down at people who own a smartphone. And so bias is fascinating, not only with our products, but how we really show up in life. We really think one is better than the other. And then once we think it's better than the other, then we even argue for it. (laughs) Then we even spend money for it. So bias, bias is a very interesting concept in our world. So I wanna talk about some biases that we have in our brains that that we sort of come from this whole concept of bias. We have what we call a negativity bias, and that is the human tendency to give more psychological weightage to bad experiences. You will notice that you hold on to bad memories more than you hold on to good memories. How many of you have had this experience? It's a bias in your brain where it begins to store. And the reason is when you have a bad energy or a bad experience in life, you have a lot of energy that comes behind it. And so your brain works in the bias because anything that you're intensely believing about, the brain thinks that you are sending a message that it's important. And so it stores it in a very important place. And, uh, and so bias begins to happen. The second thing is confirmation bias, and that is that we search and interpret the information confirming our beliefs. We tend to absolutely focus on that which we believe in, and not only do we focus on it, we have a bias about it. So it's interesting, wherever we listen to our news, we have biases in the newscast. And so some of us never go outside of our little comfort zone as well. Then there's a thing called resemblance bias. I'm sure that's a smartphone ringing. (laughs) Not smart enough to know it's in church (laughs) because it's so intuitive, Joey. (laughs) So whose phone was it? And was it an Android or was it a smartphone? It's an Apple and it's on airplane mode. It's a, yeah. That's how intuitive it really is. All right, good. Resemblance bias. And that is we judge a situation based on resemblance of similar situations. From a spiritual perspective, how we really talk about that 
is where you vibrate in your thought and pattern, you tend to attract that experience in your life and you tend to attract people who will support your belief system. That's what you tend to do. So when you think someone is horrible in traffic, that's where you're vibrating and you think Colorado has the worst drivers on the planet, yep. you tend to get more of that. Um, it's just the way the energy fields work in, a, in our universe. Inattentional blindness. That is, most obvious things are missed due to our biases, the way we're perceiving the world and the way we see the world. Bandwidth effect. Our mind asserts the conduct or belief spread among people. So we get on the bandwagon with other people who have the same belief that we do. I was in Sam's um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was Sam's. And uh, I was returning something. Well, I believe in both. I'm not biased. <laughs> That's why we have a membership in both teams. <laughs> but there was a woman in front of me who started turning around and she began to just talk to me about how awful the world is. And she began to tell me about how awful politics is. She's going on and on. And she's saying this to me. And I'm looking at her and I finally said to her, I don't know why you are talking to me. <laughs> she said, what? I said, I don't know why you're talking to me. Because everything you just said, I don't believe in. I believe people are good. I believe that both political sides have the same heart, the same brain, the same feet, the same, as I'm not interested. She turned around, well. <laughs> the last one is congruence bias. Our minds refuse to think of the alternatives, that there are other options and other ways to do things. All of us come at life with bias. The important thing is to own the bias because you can't move past a bias if you don't own it in the first place. So what begins to happen in our world is that we set up these biases toward cultures, toward people, toward political things. And what we begin to do is we narrow the scope instead of understanding that there's a much larger world where we're all connected. And that's the danger of bias. The I sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. So this morning, what I want us to understand is we cannot connect together as a world if we don't own our biases, if we don't in our own mind understand that we're biased. And there are ways to work with our bias so that we're opening up our field, our brain, to something that is new and something that is more inclusive. Confirmation bias is our most treasured enemy. Our opinions, our acumen of all that is, are the results of years of selectively choosing to pay attention to the information only to which confirms what our limited minds already accept as truth. And we begin to accept and build these biases in our own minds and our brains. The key is to open up to other possibilities and other cultures. Travel does a wonderful thing when you travel to other countries and other cultures. You begin to realize that the world survives without all the conveniences of America. I remember going to Brazil for the very first time and checking into my room and the, the room where we were staying and the lovely hotel was very clean, very wonderful. And then I took a look at the shower and I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna get electrocuted. There was this thing, this thing that was hanging from, from the shower uh, where the water was. And there was an electrical cord that went down into the wall. And I thought, oh my God, they fry people here. <laughs> and I got into the shower and what I began to realize is here I am in Brazil in a third world country and they're only heating the water that they need. They're not storing in big tanks like you and I do. It only heated the water that I, I never got electrocuted. It was just a wonderful thing. Difference, opening up your brain and your mind to understand there are many ways to get to different situations. If we can remove our biases, if we can remove our narrow-mindedness about the possibilities. It's not at all hard to understand a person it's only hard to listen without bias. Our brain just begins to fire off 
even in the midst of conversation, we're rewriting the conversation or we're taking a position in which we're going to defend even though all we're doing is having a conversation. So bias is really important to let go of. Bias, like beauty, is often in the eye of the beholder. Facts are your firewall against bias. Facts. Not our biases, not our beliefs of what we think is possible. Relationship and friendship has an amazing way to get you to look at your biases. Because you come at things from different things. So Myers-Briggs and some of the other personality tests are wonderful in pointing out that people approach things in very different ways. So I am a big picture person. I pretend it's a big person. I don't, I don't have the, the where for all to do small mechanical things. If you put something in front of me that is small mechanical, I'm guaranteeing you I'm going to destroy it. And how I'm going to destroy it is I either will break it trying to fix it. Because I don't have that perspective about life. And I'm okay that I don't have that perspective about life. And I married someone that has that perspective of life. So I always say to Scott, do you want, I think you should do this. <laughs> and he agrees with me because he knows if he doesn't, what's going to happen? Yeah, I'm going to destroy it. <laughs> I'm going to destroy it. So my bias is much more big picture. Much more. We all have them. The key is to understand them and then delight in the thing that is not it. Understanding that there's a different way to view life. So in Matthew, in chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, Jesus says these very profound words. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Bias is the speck in our eyes. It's the way we're viewing things and the way we come in. I love what Confucius says about this. He says, a gentleman can see a question from all sides without bias. A small man is biased and sees questions only from one side. To hear the opposite side and to be able to be open to it is what is going to cause harmony and delight in our world. That's what's going to make us strong. That's what's going to tap us into a universe that is much larger than our own belly button. Fortunately, for serious minds, a bias recognizes a bias sterilized. It's important for us in that concept. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, talks about bias in our textbook, and he talks about the brain that you and I have been given to think much bigger than our own biases. He says we should decide to think on the affirmative side of life or accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. In doing this, we make up our minds that we are not going to receive criticism or the negative state or animosity of anyone. And let us not forget the importance of keeping our minds in the state of good-natured flexibility. If a tree does not bend with the breeze, it would break under a strong wind. An open mind and an accepting spirit allows all to the divinity in all things. You see, you are not as special as you thought you were. When spirit, when God distributed itself through us as us, it needed all of us in order to, for us to understand the complete wholeness of the God. It needs all of us. You and I only have a portion of the truth. And it's important for us to open up ourselves to the full truth. Celebrated in many faces and many cultures. Cultural analysis sees the whole tapestry as a whole. The picture in the weaving process before attending to the individual threads. It's important for us to step back as the whole. So there's ways to do this. And here are some of the ways that we can do it. First is focus within. And that is, tune into your emotions, recognize how your experience has shaped your perspective, and despite how that experience has shaped your perspective, stick 
to the facts of the situation. Don't make assumptions and turn frustrations into curiosity. We don't really have problems in the world. We have options. We have options to look at things differently, bless you, through different sets of eyes. Secondly, learn about others. Open yourself up to organizations, people, and situations that are much larger than yourself, that are different than yourself. I loved uh, serving on Citizens Project Board. My term uh, was up and I was ready. But it was really amazing to sit with a group of people that were not theologically oriented, uh, former judges, doctors, attorneys, different people who their perspective is very different than my own. But what it did is it broadened my brain to really connect in a world that was much different than my own. So learn about others. Recognize how their experiences have shaped their perspectives. Consider how they might see the situation and what is important to them, not just what's important to you. And think about your actions, how your actions impact them. Oftentimes, cultures who do not understand each other end up hurting each other. And the key around that is that we didn't open ourselves up to learn about the other culture to learn about the other perspective. Engage in dialogue. What a concept. I think we are starving in our world for dialogue. And here's how I know why. We are so busy not dialoguing that coffee shops are soaring because we need to connect. We need to connect with each other, physically connect. Look at a person's eyes. Engage in the whole concept. Uh, I was talking to one of our congregants last week, and she's, she's on a dating app. And I said, how's it going? She goes, oh, I've been dating this one guy for about a month. And I said, really? Um, are you enjoying it? She said, well, I haven't met him yet. And I thought, so it was an interesting concept for me. They were just doing nothing but exchanging texts and emails back and forth. I said, well, are you ever going to meet? Because he may be uglier than sin. He may not look like his picture. And she starts to laugh and the whole thing. But connection, we desperately need connection. Never mind high touch. Never mind high tech. You need high touch in your life. And that's what we're saying with expand your options. Engage in dialogue. Ask open questions. Listen to understand, not to debate. Offer your view without defensiveness or combativeness disentangle the impact from intent and avoid blame and think contribution. Now, here's an exercise that I, I invite you to do this week. When you have a conversation with somebody, before you open your mouth to give your opinion, I invite you to simply feed back to the person what you just heard. I do this with married couples who are oftentimes having challenges in communicating with each other. So the rule is, that you don't get to speak until you speak back what the person has said, and the person agrees that's what they actually said. It took one couple over an hour to do one sentence because we come at things from bias, and we come at things from experiences, and we build those experiences up, particularly in relationship. So when we have a bad experience in a relationship, it colors it, and then we begin to make a form and a shape about the person. But when you actually dialogue back and forth with a person, and you have to repeat back what they said, you have to listen instead of create an opinion. You see, you either, you can't do both at the same time. You either have to listen to the person intensely, or you can't be making up judgments. The two can't happen at the same time. You either are listening or you're creating your answer before the person has ever spoken. This week, just try, just try doing the listening piece, trying to hear without bias. And last but not least, expand the options. Brainstorm possible solutions. Be flexible about different ways to reach a common goal. Experiment and evaluate and seek out diverse perspectives. Companies and organizations that soar have a lot of diversity in them, and they honor the diversity and they see it as a strength. Secondly, removing judgment. There's a wonderful story, an encounter that Jesus, the master teacher, had that was absolutely amazing to me in the gospel. It's one of my favorite stories. It says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him 
and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman who was caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And in the law of Moses, Moses commands us to stone this woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a bias and a basis for accusing Jesus. But Jesus did an interesting thing. He bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to throw the stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote in the sand. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, the scribes and the Pharisees, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where did they all go? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and live your life freely. The stone that we pick up to cast on another with judgment is the unhealed part of ourselves. That which we are pointing the finger at is actually what is unhealed in us. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees may not have been adulterers, but they were adulterous in other ways. Using people. Misusing people. It is said in the text, if you look at the Greek and if you look at the sayings, Jesus was actually writing the other people's sin in the sand. Casting the stone. Another way that causes us not to love diversity. Stereotypes that are brought up about the African-American community. Listen to the African-American community sometime and you will realize that they are raised, particularly the men, to be careful when they're driving because they'll be stopped for no reason at all. A bias, a judgment, and we cast the stone. The fear around the Hispanic community and that they've all escaped in through a wall is ridiculous. Our country would shut down if every one of our Hispanic people decided to go home. And secondly, how do you think you got into this country? If you do your research, none of us are Native unless you're Native American. My folks snuck in through Canada. My grandmother often said to me, I said, how did we get to Vermont? She said, oh, it's your grandfather's fault. I said, why? He was a bootlegger. He got caught and we had to stay. I thought she was just making crap up, but I am the grandson of a bootlegger who snuck into America through Canada. What makes us strong is our diversity in our culture, not the judgments that we perceive about other people. Those who spend their time looking for the faults in others usually make no time to correct their own. Often we hate in others the thing which we fear in ourselves. And we hate because that other person raises to our consciousness some fault or inadequacy which would prefer to have remained unconscious in us and therefore without the power to disturb or self-complacency. When we associate with others, we really associate with ourselves. When we like or dislike in others, whatever we like or dislike in ourselves. It's the bias. We all got it. The key is to own it. The key is to say, oh, I come at this with a bias. Look how that's showing up. And then open our brain to the possibility of another thought besides our own, another belief besides our own. When we see others as the enemy, we risk becoming what we hate. 
when we oppress others, we end up oppressing ourselves. All of humanity is dependent upon recognizing the humanity in others. So it's an interesting little trick that the universe did in creating us. You cannot hurt yourself without hurting another, and you can't hurt another without hurting yourself. That's how intimately connected we are. That's the cause and effect, the law of cause and effect that we teach every single week here. You can't help but do it. And you have the power to do it in any way, shape, or form you choose to. Our founder says it this way. We have to be flexible and open to others as well as positive and affirmative. And even if someone throws a brick at us, we need not catch it. It is far better to step aside. When we catch the brick that are thrown at us, it's generally for one purpose only, to throw it right back. And the first thing we know, the air is full of bricks, and what a mess that makes. It will help if we decide to play the game of life in a happy way. Don't pick up things that don't have your name on them. Don't engage in negativity and judgment about cultures or people. Avoid the brick. Choose the affirmative. All of us have a heart. We can agree, right? All of us have a brain. Can we agree? All of us have a body. Can we agree about that? Good Lord, we just agreed about three things in America. We should celebrate that. <laughs> we are all one. We are all one. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to understanding about ourselves if we're open to it, if we're open to looking at our bias. What you dislike in another, take care to correct in yourself. Take care to correct it. We must fall in love with ourselves. I don't like myself. I'm crazy about myself. That was from Mae West. Should be our affirmation. And we should be crazy about others, about their difference and their culture and the beauty that they bring to everything. We, uh, we had um, Elzia as one of our ministers. He's in Center for Spiritual Living in Denver. He's a wonderful man. He comes from the Muslim tradition. And so we began our ritual with asking him to do a Muslim prayer. Well, you think we were, we were asking for the, these are all ministers who are teaching this stuff. And so the, the whole thing was, well, I'm not sure we should have a Muslim prayer. And, and I'm looking at myself. I said, I thought we were all one. There was the silence. He began with a Muslim prayer. And he then told us what it meant in English and people were crying. Bias. Opinions. None of them are fact. The fact is we are all connected as one. The fact is we are being here and brought here to love each other. We are not here to judge, we are here to love. And you will remain here a long time until you learn that lesson. For a long time as I can remember, I have called my grandmother Gaga. It was the first word that came out of my mouth as a baby, and my proud grandmother was sure that I was trying to say her name. She remained my Gaga all these years. At a time of my grandfather's death, at 90 years of age, my grandparents had been married over 50 years. Gaga felt the loss deeply. The central focus had been taken away from her life, and she, re she retreated from the world, entering into an extended period of mourning. Her grieving lasted nearly 50 years, and during that time, I made a conscious habit to visit her every week or two. One day, I went to visit Gaga and expected to find her in her usual state of quasi-science, and I had come to know well since my grandmother's had, grandfather had passed. She seemed aloof, and she seemed sad. But this day, instead, I found her sitting in a wheelchair beaming. When I didn't come quickly enough about the obvious change in her demeanor, she confronted me. Don't you want to know why I'm so happy? Aren't you even curious, she said. Of course, Gaga, I apologize. Forgive me for not responding quickly enough. Tell me, why are you so happy? Why is this new disposition happening? Because last night I got an answer, she declared. I finally know why God took your grandfather and left me behind to live without him. 
Gaga was always full of surprises, but I have to admit that I was really taken aback by this statement. Well, why Gaga, I am asked. Then, as if imparting the greatest secret in the world, she lowered her voice, leaned forward in her wheelchair, and confided quietly, your grandfather knew that the secret of life is love. And he lived it every single day. He had become unconditional love in action. I have known about unconditional love, but I haven't fully ever lived it. That's why he got to go first and why I'm staying behind. She paused as if considering what she was about to say and then continued, all this time, I thought I was being punished for something. But last night, I found out that I was left behind as a gift from God. God let me stay so I too could turn my life into love. You see, she continued, pointing a finger to the sky, last night I was shown that you can't learn the lesson out there. Love has to be lived here on the earth. Once you leave, it's too late. So I was given the gift of life so that I can learn to love right here and right now. From that day, every visit became a new adventure, and Gaga shared her stories regarding her goal. Once when I went in to see her, she pounded the arm of her wheelchair in excitement and says, you'll never guess what I did this morning. When I responded that I couldn't guess, she continued, well, this morning your uncle was upset and angry with me about something I had done. I didn't even flinch. I received his anger, I wrapped it in love, and returned it back out in joy. Her eyes twinkled and she added, it was even kind of fun to watch his anger dissolve right before my eyes. Though age continued on in relentless course, her life was vigorously renewed. Visit after visit added up in the passing of the years while Gaga practiced her lessons in love. She had a purpose worth living for and the reason for going over these last 12 years. In the last days of Gaga's life, I visited her often in her hospital. As I walked toward her room one day, the nurse on duty looked up into my eyes and said, your grandmother is a very special lady. You know she's a light, right? Yes, and I purposely lit up. As I visited her on the last day of her life, she had been unconscious for many hours. When I reached over and took her hand, she squeezed it. And the last word she uttered before she left the planet was, love is the key. That's why we're here. Simple. Simply to love. What we are here for is not for love. We are here to serve, help, and love, and it's so simple. The world moves for love. It kneels before it in awe. It's what connects us together. It's what causes wars to cease and connectivity to really happen. I love this by Mary Oliver. She said, my work is loving the world. It's all of our work. It's not just Mary's. It's ours. It's our work to do right now to connect to the oneness and see the delight in the diversity. Love doesn't make the world go round. Love is what makes the world ride worthwhile. Go out into the world today and love the people you meet. Let your presence, your present light, new. Let the light of the heart of all people, Mother Teresa. So I'm going to play for you a very powerful song. It sort of wraps it all up. Listen, put away your judgments. Listen and watch what diversity and loving diversity looks like. We 
must all unite, for we are one creation. We must join the fight, together we are strong. We must do what's right in every situation. Love each other's lives as you would do your own. Just think twice before you cast your stone at someone's soul. It's their life, so the choice is theirs and theirs alone. Samuel Walter Foss said it this way, say it with me. Let the howlers howl, let the growlers growl, let the scowlers scowl, and the rough going go for it. For behind the night, there is plenty of light, 
and the world's all right, and I know it. We are the world. This week, remove bias. Put judgment down and connect. Pray with me. There is only one power in the universe. The divine expression that has expressed itself through us. Many cultures, many faiths, many personalities, many energies all collecting together as the one source we call God. What I know is that we are one with this divine source when we recognize it. We are one. One power in this world. And we have come here not to judge, but to love. So what I know and claim this day is that we say yes to removing bias. That we clear our minds and open our hearts to possibility, to difference, to culture, to communication. Anything that is not like it, we remove this day. and We stand in that divine knowing and that divine power that we are wide open and connected to each other. I claim and know that not just for us in this space. I claim and know it for Colorado Springs. I claim it for Colorado. I claim it for all 50 states. I claim it for all countries and I claim it for our globe. That it is we who must do the connectivity. It is us who must open the walls. It is us that must clear the way to connect together as one. I claim and know that this day from the core of my heart. I stand in such gratitude for the possibility of the world that lies before us. I say thank you, Spirit, for the concept of oneness. Thank you, Spirit, for showing up in all the different ways, through all the different cultures, through all the different people. I say thank you, Spirit. I'm in such gratitude this day that I have the opportunity, that all of us have the opportunity to clear our minds, to open our hearts and connect together as one. So I simply release this prayer knowing the minute I have spoken this, bias dissipates, judgment is removed, hearts are open, and we listen to another with great joy and with great love. I simply release this unto the universal law knowing it is already done, oneness is already here, and that we are opened and awakened to receive it. I simply let this go and let it be. And we sing this together with one voice. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows up.
service where we get to show up as prosperity, where we get to circulate our good. And I invite our virtual community online to join us in this powerful gift of prosperity by donating through our website online. So I invite you to take your tithe, your gift, or your hand, simply place it over your heart, and let us pray our affirmation together. I joyfully celebrate the flow of God through me. I am grateful for receiving and giving to my spiritual community. I give thanks, always knowing God is my source, and so it is. I hope you enjoyed our service and the message today. Thank you for attending today. We here at Center for Spiritual Living have a big, hairy, audacious goal, and it's to bring inspiration and positivity and to be the change we want to see in the world. But we need your help. By clicking on the donate button, your donation today will help empower us to take these powerful principles that have changed so many lives out into the world. Imagine living your best life without guilt or fear or hell or damnation. What if you knew that you are perfect just the way you are? You are filled with such goodness. What we know is that you have a spirit in you expressing itself uniquely as you. That's a message that our world so needs to hear at this time. I thank you for your donation. I also encourage you to check out some of our life courses here on the website. These incredible courses will give you the tools that you need to transform and continue to grow spiritually. You can do these courses at your own pace and you'll be joining with hundreds of others who have said yes to expanding their lives. Thank you for being with us today. We look forward to your next visit with us.